All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Brother Love in the District. Tristan here, along with Jacob. Jacob, you want to go ahead and tell them what we're getting into today? Since we last spoke to you guys, the NFL draft has happened, so we're going to talk about that, along with a big blockbuster trade for one of our teams. Um, and then going into NHL, the playoffs are in full swing. There's been, for um, the, I think pretty much all the series up to this point, there's been two games for each of the series, so we'll talk about that. And finally, into baseball, a historic comeback was made against one of our teams. So we're going to get into that. So yeah, get right into it. Yeah. So uh, we'll start out in the NFL like we normally do and talk about the draft. And so overall, what do you think of the draft picks for Washington? I liked them. I, I think we satisfied a lot of needs. Um, the only thing I think we didn't really address as linebacker but I'd rather bring in a veteran versus another young rookie so I like the draft I think we got some good value I really like the Sam Howell trade because he was there at five and he can learn behind Carson Wentz and possibly become a future starter so I like the draft I don't know a lot about Jahan Dotson I think you know a lot more than I do because you're a Penn State fan so um he seems like a really good like I've heard people compare him to like Santana Moss or Steve Smith or uh, Deshaun Jackson. So if he turns out like that, we should be good. Definitely not a Deshaun Jackson, Uh, but like he's, he's a really good route runner. And when in terms of play, not attitude. Well, no, again, still not like, because Deshaun Jackson was a deep play guy. Uh, Jahan Dotson is a, I don't want to say route technician, but he focuses more on the routes and just tries to uh, get open on his routes, and then he's got some of the best hands that were in the draft. So, I mean, overall, he's a solid receiver. Uh, and I think I was mad when you guys drafted him because I don't like when my guys from Penn State go to the NFC East and not the Eagles. But uh, no, Saquon he, Barkley, a, um, the linebacker last year. Yeah, Micah Parsons. And yeah, then Mike right before that, they had uh, Saquon Barkley. So go to the uh, Giants. So. Uh, but overall, like in terms of value, you guys got a pretty good pick there. I don't know if you saw it, but there was a play uh, against Ohio State he made where he was in the end zone and he went up with one hand and brought it down over an Ohio State corner. So uh, he's definitely got some good hands and that was a good pick for you guys to have a cross. He's going to be a good number two to have a cross from Terry McLaurin. And then with Curtis Samuel in the slot, you guys will be pretty good. Uh, in at wide receiver overall if he's healthy if oh he's yeah Curtis. uh and then other than that like i'm gonna be honest i didn't like what you picked after that i mean even okay sam howell was a pretty good pick but like even uh i didn't like the Federian mathis pick and even the Jahan Dotson pick was a little bit questionable. I know there was talk of you guys picking wide receiver in the first round, a lot of it. And uh, while, yes, you did need a third receiver, I did think there were bigger needs than receiver for Washington. Uh, but he was a good pick, so I will – I'm not going to, like, totally destroy that pick. But the Fedarian Mathis pick I don't really like because of the fact that you guys already have – Real couple really good off uh, defensive linemen. I'll tell you why we did that. It's because right now we can't afford to re-sign Deron Payne. We're, we haven't extended him, so we're probably going to look to trade him, which I think should be the best thing, not just have him walk at the end of the season. Um, I think we saw that he was going to probably not going to be on our team at the end of the year, so I think that that's why we took Fedarian Mathis. We didn't want to lose another piece. We just added another one. So I hope they look to trade him for a good linebacker or a nice haul of picks. So that's why we did that. So uh, I do uh, – I, I see – I did see something about Deron Payne probably not getting extended. So it makes a little bit of sense. But, I mean, again, I don't see where uh, D-tackle was one of your biggest needs. Now, most GMs are a big believer in best player on the board no matter of position. So 
that could be what your GM was thinking there. Uh, I mean, overall, anytime you draft someone out of Alabama, odds are they're going to be a stud because that's the closest thing to the NFL. Unless they're a quarterback. Unless they're a quarterback. quarterback. (laughs) You see a quarterback Uh, from Alabama, stay away. Don't, Don't do that. And this one, I think I know why you guys drafted him. But at the same time, I don't see it. Brian Robinson for your third for your third pick. You have Antonio Gibson, who is definitely your future at running back. You still have JD McKissick. Now JD McKissick is on a one year contract, two years two. at most. Two. Okay, so I kind of see why you drafted him, but at the same time, I mean that's we did it because we're lacking a power back, and the big problem with Antonio Gibson. Because he's a converted wide receiver, he's had a lot of problems with carrying the ball. Like, his ball security is pretty bad. Um, So, we just brought it in because we needed a power back, and we needed a guy who can really tough out those those yards. So, I could see him getting, like, 10 carries a game. We're going to try and run, like, a dual running back set and then have McKissick in on third down. So, do we probably need more in other areas? Yes, but I like the depth that we've created at running back. And I think this draft was good all around for running backs, not exactly at the top end, but I think there was just decent quarterbacks all the way through. Uh, I don't know much about Percy Butler. I don't uh, either, but I know he's a really fast safety who's apparently a very good special teams player, like one of the best in the draft I've heard. So that's good. And hopefully we can – get rid of Troy Apke finally so and here's here's one of the other big picks Sam Howell now I do want to say something before we talk about Sam Howell in the fact that the NFL teams as a whole in the entire draft did a really good job of not overdrafting quarterbacks I thought for sure there were going to be quarterbacks taken like at least three taken in the first round and then whatever ones didn't get taken in the first round get taken semi-early in the second round and aside Holy from Kenny Pickett, yeah, aside from Kenny Pickett, there were no quarterbacks drafted until the third round. So, uh, which Desmond Ritter was the next one taken, which was also a surprise. So, uh, I do have to, I do want to say that in the NFL as a whole, did make a, uh, did do a really good job of not overdrafting quarterbacks, especially since that's something they do quite a bit in the draft. Yeah, uh, I saw. Did you see? Um... Who is it that the Titans drafted? They drafted they got Malik Willis. Yeah, they got Malik Willis. And uh, Ryan Tannehill said, it's not my job to teach the young guy. And I think that's bad thinking in terms of yeah, like, that's bad locker room stuff right there. Yeah, I mean, you saw Brett Favre when Aaron Rodgers came in. According to Aaron Rodgers, he helped teach. He helped every quarterback that was under him. So I, you want to spread the knowledge. I mean, Tannehill, he doesn't have – a big future there. He's going to be there for three more years at most. So, and I feel like that's where his uh his hostility is coming from. He's like, look, this is my job. I don't know why you drafted a quarterback. The, um, look at your playoff performance there, Tannehill. That's why they're getting rid of you, and they just got rid of their best wide receiver. But we'll get into after we finish up Washington's draft. And and Ryan Tannehill is thirty three. So. Yeah, he's yeah. getting up there in age. I didn't think he was that old. I knew he was getting old. I didn't think he was 33. I thought maybe he was 29 at most. Uh, but that gets into your fifth rounder, which I think was a steal in the fact that he was a top five quarterback in the draft and you got him in the fifth round in Sam Howell. Yeah, I think Howell. really great, really great pick. And he can learn, we can teach him, and hopefully he can develop into our future quarterback because we haven't had a franchise, a true franchise quarterback. Um, RG3. And then Shanahan's year. I mean, Jason Campbell, he had a lot of potential, but we kind of screwed him because we had a revolving door of coaches and coordinators. He never had an offensive coordinator two years in a row, the same one. So, um. Mark Brunel, he was okay for a few years, even though he was old. Um, yeah, we haven't had a really like franchise franchise quarterback. We've had quarterbacks that had a few like one or two good seasons, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think the fact that you could get a top five quarterback in the draft in the fifth round is a big steal for you guys. And if he does end up being the future of the of Washington, then good for you guys. Uh, how long until? 
Carson Wentz is out now. Um, now how he we know how he does with backup quarterbacks. Yeah, but if you're worried about a fifth round quarterback, then I don't want you here. If you yeah, that's what you're worried about, a freaking fifth round quarterback out of a basketball school, you don't deserve to be in the NFL. You don't deserve <laughs> to be a starter in the NFL. Yeah, the the AC like even though he was a top five quarterback in the draft, something that still would worry me if I was a Washington fan would be the fact that, like you said, he came out of a basketball school. The ACC is not known for football. Like there were no good uh, football schools that had quarterbacks this year. Kenny Pickett came out of Pitt. Malik Willis came out of Liberty. Sam Howell came out of UNC. Desmond Ritter came out of Cincinnati, who you say might be a good football school, but they don't play anyone. And, and then the last top quarterback was Matt Corral, who I think had the potential to be the best quarterback if he hadn't gotten hurt. Didn't he come out of Ole Miss? Yeah, he came out of Ole Miss, which is the SEC, which is one of those. That's the closest thing to the NFL that you're going to get in college is the SEC. Yeah, that's, that's the biggest football school, I'd say, that one of the quarterbacks has come out of. Yeah. Uh, they produced two out of the three Mannings. So that I would say is where the quarterback situation was in this draft for your last couple of picks. I mean, really just depth. Once you start getting later in the draft, you guys picked up a tight end. Yeah. Which I'm happy about because I think we need it. And if it works out, then we'll have a great um, tight end set to rotate and Bates, Logan Thomas, Cole Turner, and hopefully Samus Reyes. He can develop and start learning the game more and more and get some, true playing time and looking at the looking at like the review of the draft it says uh he's more of a pass catching receiver which is good for you guys because mm-hmm. john bates is more of a blocking tight end so it's good yeah, to have that you send him out occasionally yeah so it's good to have that double that double tight end threat and, and then, then we drafted you got, a point guard and chris paul and, yeah i was just about to say you got uh what phoenix suns star chris paul <laughs> It looks like he gained like 150 pounds or something. Well, yeah, it's going to have to be quite a bit. Well, oh, and we see. also Chris signed Paul's a 323 yeah. pounds. So. Trey Turner is coming back to Washington, but he's as an offensive line instead of a shortstop. Oh, I, I was like, Trey Turner, that's. Uh, the, the, I think he's a yeah. guard. He played for San Diego and before that, Carolina. And then to finish it off, Christian Holmes at quarterback, cornerback out of Oklahoma State, which honestly, that I believe is strictly just depth because of the fact that uh, yeah, you guys already do have some pretty good cornerbacks in William Jackson, Kendall Fuller, and St. Juice if he can produce. Yeah, and the thing about our, our secondary, I know people were talking a lot about that and how we need to improve, but the reason I think they really underperformed last year is we kind of hung them out to dry. We didn't get the safety set correct off the start of the year, and our offense or our defensive line did not play great. So if our defensive line is able to get the pressure that we think it can, then our secondary is going to have a, a lot easier job. I mean, last year we uh, we saw a lot of plays where William Jackson was getting burnt, but I think that could get a lot better if our defensive line plays a lot better. Any any notable UDFAs that you guys signed? Um, I know we signed a lot. Um, nothing notable, but I like that we're bringing in a lot of guys. Uh, all right, moving over to the Eagles. Oh, actually, real quick, what uh, what do you give Washington's overall? I'd probably give them a C. I think they I'd give them a B. I just because I think like they didn't address their glaring needs. They addressed some stuff and they did draft for the future, which is what you want to do in the draft, but you didn't draft strictly for the future. Like, like I said, you need a linebacker terribly. You need, uh, honestly, I'd say you need safeties pretty badly. So we got safe. We got a safety. We got safety. And there's a rumor that we could bring back landing cons on a cheaper deal. So I would, I'd be good with that playing like the kind of linebacker role he played last year. Uh, you had a couple bigger needs, but overall, you did address some stuff that you needed. So, I'll give him. I'll give him a C plus. I'll give him, I'll a, give him a B. Okay. Now, going right into it, I think the Eagles hit really well on their drafts. I mean, your first pick, I think, was 
that was stupid. That was questionable. The first pick was questionable. I think you were banking on getting the receiver that was taken just before your pick by the Lions. I honestly think that's what happened. Oh, yeah, James. uh, I can't think of his name. I would say James Robinson, but he's a running back for James one from Alabama. Yeah, Jameson Williams, that's his name. Yeah, and then the Lions took him, and then you reached on a defensive lineman, I believe. That was really questionable. The the biggest the biggest issue with Jordan Davis. Now, I think I think he can be a stud. He can be. Now that's the biggest thing. He could be that Haloti Nata type Vita Vea, which if he even comes close to what Vita Vea is, then I'll be happy. He'll be set. Yeah. Vita Vea is a huge man who just stands and blocks like three like both a gaps and b gaps just by standing and putting his arms out he opens up opportunities for other people on your defense exactly so he and what exactly that's what vita vea does is he opens up so then jason pierre paul can get around the edge quicker because you have to have more people focus on vita vea so jordan davis he needs to cut his weight a lot he cut 20 pounds from the time that the national football championship was and the draft he cut 20 pounds he went from actually closer to 30 because he went from about 380 to 350 he cut a ton of weight his weight fluctuates uh and he was only playing about 20 percent of the snaps at georgia and uh they said i don't remember they said that he was only playing rundowns which they need to try to fix so that he can play some pass downs because if he can play pass downs while yes, he's not going to be getting 10 sacks a year, he'll still be there. Uh, he'll still open up some opportunities for our DNs to get into the backfield. And this year is not going to be a, it's not going to be a big season for him. He may rotate in and out, but he's not going to play much with Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave and Milton Williams all in there. That those are those three D tackles are good enough in themselves with Fletcher Cox, arguably definitely an Eagles Hall of Famer, maybe could make an argument for a pro yeah, hall of famer. I, th- I think he's on like the cusp of pro yeah. football hall of famer. If he gets in, I don't think a lot of people will be surprised. If he doesn't, a lot of people won't be surprised. Exactly. It's one I of think, those players. I think he's on the cusp. Uh yeah. Javon Hargrave had an absolute breakout season last season. And Milton Williams was a pretty good draft pick after everyone thought that was a terrible pick. So uh, he ended up looking good too. So yeah, I think, I think this pick was where you you draft more for his attributes and what you think he can be versus what he is now, considering what you already have on your defensive line. I think your coaching staff is hoping that he's a multiple piece of clay that you can turn into the next Fletcher Cox or whoever. Yeah. I think that's what that draft is, pick was. This is also where Jonathan, John Gannon gets to, like like you said, he gets to have that piece of clay that he gets to mold in the way he wants. Like last season, he was trying to make do with what he had. He couldn't run the defense he wanted because he didn't have the skilled enough players. And now he's getting starting to get those players a little bit more. Uh, so they picked him with 13. And then with the 18 pick, they actually didn't make a pick. They traded it to the Titans – for AJ Brown. Brown. And one thing about this pick, a big trade. Wait, one thing about this is this is great. This has the possibility to make your offense like I think your offense is going to be top 10 in the league. It should be top 10 in the league. Um, also, this is the best and worst thing that's going to happen to Jalen Hurts. The best because he has an amazing offense with a great offensive line who can make any one of your running backs have a top level day, even though you can say none of your running backs are exactly top level, but your offensive line can make them look top level. He has a great wide receiver core now with Devontae Smith and AJ Brown. He has Dallas Goddard. If he doesn't perform this year, then. And as uh, long as, as long as Miles Sanders stays healthy, this is a make or break year for Jalen hurts. This is it. There's, if you cannot perform with this offense, he's not going to be a starter in Philly anymore. You guys are going to be calling for a new quarterback. I don't know if he'll be a starter anywhere else if he doesn't perform this year. Yeah, like you can – you'll maybe bring him in as a backup, like an emergency thing, and hopefully you can develop him. But this is this is it for Jalen Hurts. This is it. This is, this is going to sound like a bit, but I think he's going to need 4,000 passing yards. And I think people are going to be like, whoa, that not that quite a bit? But – 
is the fact that the Eagles don't want to be a running offense. Last year, they totally shifted away from what they wanted to do by running the ball constantly. They want to pass the ball. Howie Roseman wants to pass the ball. We saw that earlier in the year. Yeah, and so they want they want him to throw the ball. So I don't. I think that expecting four thousand yards from him isn't too much, especially when at the beginning of the season he was throwing forty passes per game. Uh, and this is a passing league, four thousand yards. That's not out of the question. I, like out of him, I'd want four thousand yards and oh for twenty seven and a half touchdowns. That's the under over. Uh, over under 27 and a half. Okay. So you're putting the over in on 27 and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what, like, that's what I think he should get considering the amount of time he's going to have in the pocket. And also that how great he's good as he's great at extending plays. He should be doing that. What, what was even better about this, this tr- trade is they only traded a first and a third for him. And you and you just extended him when you got him, so you've yeah, already so, well, going to be there for the next. Four that's why years. the Titans didn't. That's why the Titans gave him up because they didn't want to. They weren't ready to re-sign him yet. So the Eagles have him locked up for the next five years. And I saw, I read something that said Howie Roseman was basically on two phones as he's making the trade. He's sitting there talking to the Titans GM, saying, "You know, what can we get? What can we do to get AJ Brown over here?" And on the other phone, he's talking to AJ Brown's agent, saying. How much money does AJ Brown want? So I mean, because uh, I think that's pretty much what happened. Because as soon as the trade was announced, an extension was announced along yeah, the, with it. Howie Roseman said, like the timing had to be perfect because he did have that. He he was doing that. He did have two phones going, one with the agent and one with the GM. So they were he was trying to get everything worked out. So like you said, as soon as the trade was made, the contract was confirmed, and so they have him locked up for the next five years. Big deal, four year. $100 million contract because he still has one more year on his contract, his rookie deal. So big trade and big signing for them because now this really can completes their wide receiver core because you have Devontae Smith, who's that route technician and can just make people look silly trying to defend them. You have A.J. Brown, who is that aggressive type player who can go up and pick the ball out of the sky. He's not a big guy, but he can still do that. He's only six feet tall. And uh, you have Quez Watkins, who can be that fast vertical slot guy. So hopefully Jalen Hurts can make do with this wide receiver core now. And I'm super excited about the, the trade. Like, you can argue, like, I think the Eagles right now are the second best team in the NFC East. The only reason I don't say they're the best is because I still think your defense is lacking in a lot of areas. Yes, you did draft a linebacker in the third round, but that's still a big hole. I still think there's holes in your secondary. So I think your defense is going to kind of kill you in some games and they're going to be high scoring and they just need to stop people. And I don't think they have the, the pieces to always do that. So well, that's the only reason I don't say they're the best in the NFC East and obviously Jalen hurts. There is a, there there are teams in the NFL who try to do that where they just outscore their opponent, score a bunch of touchdowns and just try Doesn't to always work. Kansas city chiefs won a super bowl. Like it like that. So granted, I mean, but Eagles you're not, not the Kansas chiefs. city chiefs. Are you? Yeah. The Eagles aren't the chiefs and Nick Sirianni isn't Andy Reed, but there wants to be like Andy Reed, but he's not. So there definitely was. I see the intent behind it. The Cowboys are trying to do the same thing where they just have a really good offense and an okay defense. And like the thing about Washington is they're the exact opposite. They are based on defensive stops and your offense just basically doesn't like jack it up. Best case scenario, they're like the early 2000s Buccaneers with Ronde Barber, where they went into Philly and whooped you guys in the NFC Championship, I believe. Or they're like the early 2000s Ravens, where they won a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfert as a quarterback. So that's the best case scenario for this Washington team. I think it's possible that we can be competitive for the top of the NFC East. Do I think we'll win it? No, but I think we can certainly be competitive and yeah, I think the top three, of the NFC East is going to be, it's going to be good. I mean, the Giants, yeah, they're not, they're not going to be close, but it should be interesting, especially like I want to see the schedules because I know Washington's going to have a significantly easier schedule. Dallas is probably going to have a hard one. 
they're coming out in like, like less a than a week. Yeah. I think they come out May 12th is when they announce. Yeah, they come out next week. Uh, Going to the Eagles second round pick. Now, at first, I was really angry about this pick. I'm I'm still a little weird. It I don't was think a depth you pick. Should have made this pick. But overall, now, now I'm okay with it because they did make it all right in the third round. But in the second round pick, they draft Cameron Jurgens, a center out of Nebraska, who I understand why, because every year they're sitting there begging Jason Kelsey to come back. So they there when Jason Kelsey announced that he was coming back this season, the he said that he would come back for a keg of beer. And so when he announced his, when he announced his coming back this season, you just saw him, you know, pour himself a beer and go, ah, and you know, I will be coming back this season. So there's what this pick bribing him to come back. You didn't need another center. You still have Kelsey for now. You could have waited to make that pick. The draft is for the future. So I see why they did it. I understand that, but I still think there's other like, pieces that i think you should have addressed before you another offensive line because your offensive line is like the best part of your team now undoubtedly i do i do agree with you there in the fact that they do have really good offense and defensive lines overall typically the defensive line isn't looking great right now but typically it still has holes especially on the end but those are their two top positional areas but with that being said the Eagles like to build from the four, the front backwards. So they, and I believe they are also another one of those teams that go best player available no matter what. So the reason they took Cam Jurgens is because they need that future. And like I said, they build forward back. So there were some bigger glaring needs like safety and corner and linebacker and any other position on defense, but they pretty much, they took him because he knew that he'd be a future center and they actually had Jason Kelsey, Jason Kelsey approved this pick. This is a Jason Kelsey really? approval because so basically what I heard is they went, they told Jason Kelsey, look at these prospects, tell us which one you like the best. And because Jason Kelsey is probably an NFL hall of famer. I think he should he should make it. He definitely is an Eagles Hall of Famer, and I'd say he's a little bit leaning towards in as opposed to out of the Hall of Fame, like on the cusp, but leaning more towards in than out. The, the only like counterpoint I have to that is we've seen good offensive linemen not make it into Hall. For example, Joe Jacoby, who was a staple of that Hogs offensive line, still hasn't made it into the Hall, but I think that he should make it. I think. The NFL Hall, I think it's a little skewed because they don't allow kind of a popularity contest. Yeah, I mean, the Any, anything where you're voting is a popularity contest. Yeah, they rarely allow special teamers in the Hall of Fame because Devin Hester and Brian Mitchell should be in the Hall without question. The two best returners, undoubtedly, they should make it into the Hall. And I just think that the, I think all Hall of Fames are a little flawed, baseball especially so. Uh, yeah. But this guy is this this guy is the guy that Jason Kelsey says is the closest to him. They're gonna try. I think they're gonna try to cross train him this season to play guard, but he's not really big enough to play at guard because he's he's barely three hundred pounds. So they're I think they're gonna try to cross train him, but it might not work out that way. But the Eagles' backup line right now is just absolutely – it could be a starter for one of the lower teams in the NFL because you have Cam Jurgens at center. You got Jack Driscoll at guard or tackle. You have Andre Dillard, who is a first-round pick. Uh, LaRaven Clark, who has played in the NFL before. He started a couple. And they also have – I believe his name is Andrew Johnson. He's – he came over from the Bills practice squad last season. The Bills really liked him. They tried to beg him to stay, and he ended up leaving anyway. So they ha- their backup offensive line could start for other NFL teams. Uh, but overall, I think that's a strong second-round pick. Once I saw that they got N'Kobe Dean in the third round, who I really wanted them to get in the second round. I didn't think he'd drop all the way to them at the third round, 
But when he did, and I saw they drafted him, I was really happy. I was screaming when they picked Cam Jurgens over N'Kobe Dean in the second round. Yeah, I was really questioning what in the world you were doing when you made that Cam Jurgens pick. I was like, what? There's a linebacker right there. You need him. And also, I would have taken the best. He was the best linebacker, arguably the best linebacker in the draft. Yeah, I would have taken a safety over Cam Jurgens. The, uh, the yeah. Well, it's also about the players that they like. They didn't. There were no safeties. I think if Jaquan Brisker fell, they would have taken Jaquan Brisker. But he got taken three picks before the Eagles pick to the Bears. So if Jaquan Brisker Perfect. fell, I think they would have taken him. But Nicobe Dean, the reason everyone got scared off of him is because he has about an injury on every part of his body. The biggest thing was the peck that he. I think there was talk of him possibly needing surgery. And then after that, it came out that he's, he declined surgery. He's not getting surgery on the pec, but he also had like toe injuries, knee injuries, shoulder injuries, basically anywhere on the body he had hurt. So I don't know a lot about Nicobe Dean, but could you say the comparison is Brian Arakpo because he dealt with a lot of injuries, especially he dealt with a lot of pec injuries. Like he had a stretch of like a few seasons where he had like two or three pec injuries. So that's comparison in terms of injuries. Nicobe Dean is a stack backer, which means he plays behind the line, not on the line. Hassan Reddick is a on the ball linebacker because he's on the line of scrimmage. Nicobe Dean is a stack backer because he plays behind the line. So Nicobe Dean is a stack backer. He's a little bit smaller. I want to say he's like 5'11 or six foot. I don't think he's above that, but the way he plays a really good sideline to sideline game. And that is what they like in him. And that's why they drafted him because he can be that force that can go anywhere on the field, which is what they needed. He's good in pass pass, not pass pro because he's not an offensive lineman, but pass defense would be the best way to put it. Uh, he had two interceptions last season. And so he can play all around. And when he does get, as healthy as he can be, and if he stays there, he can be a three-down backer for the Eagles, which is what we need terribly. So the fact that we nabbed a first-round talent in the third round is huge, and I'm really happy about that pick, too. Yeah, and he's the kind of linebacker, when you talk about his playing style, that's the kind of linebacker you need, not one that's an outside linebacker who's essentially just an extension of the defensive line. He's just another defensive been kind of like Kerrigan was or in the best case Lawrence Taylor um so yeah it's nice that you've got a kind of roaming linebacker that can really anchor your defense especially in your linebacker core which is very weak it's gotten a little better after this draft because spoiler your next pick was another linebacker so but good pick. he's he was an online linebacker and Kyron Johnson out of Kansas He's he's like Hassan Reddick. He's going to be lining up on the line of scrimmage and rushing the passer. So he's, he's an extension of your defensive line. And I yeah. think that's good because you do you are missing defensive ends. Yeah. In our base, in our in the Eagles base defense, they're probably going to be running a five two front uh, and having a couple defense not defensive ends, but people rough, rushing off the edge, which means our defensive ends have to learn how to dodge inside and be able to play inside the line of scrimmage as opposed to playing outside. So, but Kyron Johnson, we're starting to get into that area. This was a six-round pick, so this is a little bit later. Uh, they, I don't know much about him. I know that he is going to be more of an edge rusher than a guy who plays out in coverage or, or something like that, but – He's probably Hassan Reddick's future replacement if he stays. And the last one, a big need that they ended up getting was Grant Calcaterra from tight end from SMU. He did transfer out of Oklahoma. So hopefully that means he had some potential behind him and he can be that backup for Dallas Goddard, number two guy. Uh, Overall, I'm happy that they addressed a need here. Sixth round pick could not even make the team but something tells me he will being that they don't really have a tight end behind Alice Goddard yeah I think there was bigger needs but you did satisfy need with the pick it's not like you just got another offensive lineman just for pure depth basis um it's not a bad pick he, he, now I mean, he's trying to find a in the rough they did not 
draft a single corner or safety. Which I think that's going to come back to hurt you if you but do not sign one or find any good ones in the undrafted free agents. Then I think three, that's really going to hurt you. There are three notable, three notable signings that they made from UDFA's. They got Nevada quarterback Carson Strong, who, if he wasn't injured, he would have been a top five quarterback in the draft. So there were talks early that he was going to be taking taken possibly in the first round most definitely in the second round when they were talking about him early, but he has that lingering knee injury. Uh, He played at the senior bowl and he wore a knee brace. So that could be a diamond in the rough for the future. If Jalen hurts doesn't work out, he's going to need a couple years, but the fact that he didn't get drafted is surprising to me because of the fact that he was supposed to be one of those top, top quarterbacks in the draft. And then the other two notable UDFA signings were cornerback Josh Joby out of Alabama and Mario Goodrich out of Clemson. Both guys I don't really know much about, uh, but like I said, when you're, I think that they have, I think they were both injury type players and they could have been drafted, but with injuries that kind of knocked them back. Uh, And so as long as they're addressing the need, they're not going to be starting this season. I highly doubt that they will, but they addressed cornerback, which is overall what I wanted. And that's really about it for their draft. But yeah, overall, I think the Eagles drafted quite well. I'm going to give them an A. I mean, truly un, as unbiased as I can possibly be giving it a May because of the fact that they did get some studs. And that's including AJ Brown in the draft, like as if they were to draft him. If like I would give him a B minus if you're just talking about purely just the draft, but with the um, AJ Brown trade, I have to put him in A because that is such an amazing trade for you guys. It was a first and a third for for who could be a star wide receiver and should be your star wide receiver, and it adds a whole nother element to your offense and it's a really great trade and that's what pushes up your draft to an A for me. All right. So that'll do it for the NFL as that's really all we had going on was the draft. Now we get into the slow parts where they have to go through rookie training camp and everything. And so it's going to be a little bit slower, which is probably where we will do our, in the next month or so is where we'll do our all-time Eagles and Washington team. Uh, but going into the NHL, we got the playoffs going. And first thing that I need to ask you, how are you feeling about the Caps series? Um, I think I'm a little worried after game two because it looks like there's a good chance Tom Wilson may not be able to return for this series, but we stole, we got a game in um, Florida, so I think we can definitely be competitive. We can, we've definitely shown that from game one that we can really give Florida a lot. So, um, one thing I'm worried about is our goaltending because Vanacek had a great game one and then laid an egg in the second game. He gave up five goals and 16 shots, and then Samsonov came in in the third and save 16 out of 16. So I'm a little worried in some areas, but I think we're still a good enough team to make it competitive. Do I think we'll win? Probably not, but I predicted a Florida win. So who knows? You guys did steal game one, which I was surprised about. I was yeah, watching that kind of game plan we need to have. And we did do that without Wilson. He only played like the first few minutes, but we just need to be solid defensively and not make a lot of mistakes. I was very surprised they stole game one. I was not pleased that they stole game one. And then in game two, everything was a little bit more realistic with them scoring, what, five goals on you guys to win 5-1? Yeah, and the next game is, is in about 40 minutes. So uh, we'll yeah. see. Uh, we're going to have to finish that so you can watch the game. Uh, we got a lot of time. The, But, yeah, I think the Panthers just – Game ones, I don't really take too much because of the fact that they need to kind of 
just get a feel for the game. And it takes a little bit to get used to who you're playing. So I don't really take to game one as much, except for maybe the Colorado series. Yeah, that, that series, that's done. Let's, yeah. Let's be honest. Uh, so, but they're going to Sans- Samsonov today. Uh, as opposed to Vanacek to try to get something sparked there in net. And th- uh, they're going to see if that can lead them into a couple wins. We'll I, just... think, I think we uh, could definitely push it to six or seven games. Um, I think, yeah, I think we had a bad game too, but the first 17 minutes of that game, we were dominating. So I think we've shown that we can certainly win games. It just, it, it's we need to be consistent throughout the game yeah we need to be consistent we the playoffs can turn on a dime we saw that in game two so i think we'll split at home i think the next two games will be another split and then i think florida will win maybe two or three straight or whatever but yeah i think we can we've certainly shown that we can give the panthers all they can handle considering we're a lot more experienced and than the Panthers because they're still a very young team in terms of playoff experience. The only guy you can say has a lot of overriding playoff experience is Giroux, but even then, like out of outside of the first few years, he they didn't really make a lot of playoff series. So I don't he hasn't I don't think he's made it past the first round since 2010. So yeah, that's the only reason I say I'm kind of wary and the last time the Panthers won a series, I believe it was in the 90s. Uh, I think you guys could probably extend it to six after seeing that first game and seeing how well you guys played. Yeah, and I think we'll make adjustments to the plan because I think Peter Laviolette, he's still a good coach. We have a lot of – we have experienced players, so I think we can definitely extend it and certainly give the Panthers a good scare. Uh, We will – We'll go look over the other series real quick. Uh, Toronto against Tampa. Toronto leads the series two to one. Yeah, I'm a little worried about that series. I think I may have made the wrong pick because Toronto, outside of game two, they're looking really good. I watched the game last night, and besides the crappy camera work of the Tampa crew, the game was pretty good. I mean, I, I mean the Maple Leafs in the third, they kind of – the. Lightning were starting to make a comeback, but they kind of they got rid of it. They shut it down and ended up final. Huh? I didn't. I didn't even get a chance to look at any of the games last night. What was the final? Five to two. They um they scored two empty net goals. Oh, okay. Uh, I I still don't regret my pick. It's t- still Toronto in the playoffs. Yeah, it's still Toronto. They look different, but we could be talking about next week how Toronto pulled another yeah, Toronto. Toronto still only has two wins in the series. Like let's give them a couple seconds. One series I am worried about though, is Edmonton and the Kings because Edmonton just won last night, eight to two. Eight to two. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, that's a game three. So that I may have made the wrong pick there. We'll, but... we'll get to that one there. But what I was saying about Toronto is, they still only have a one game lead. So yeah. you have to give them one more game. If they win one more game, then they'll probably start breaking down because that's <laughs> like they did last year. Exactly. So that's that's why I'm still not hopping on the Toronto bandwagon yet. The the wild looked really good last night. They were firing on all cylinders. Kaprizov had a good game and they beat the blues and the Blues had some really nasty hits. There was a stretch in the second period where they had like five big hits in a row to the Wild puck handlers, but credit to the Wild. Marc-Andre Fleury has been playing great, and I think he really could propel him to the third or fourth round. So, yeah, they're, they're a great team. The I, I'm so – I thought the Blues would handle the Wild easily, but the they did Wild, in the first game. But after that, the Wild kind of got their footing. Yeah, the I was watching the Wild game and the Oilers game a couple days ago when I was at um when I was out. They had it on TV, and the those games were terrible. The Oilers won five nothing, and the Wild won six to two. Like 
and going back to that Oilers series real quick, like they're taking care of business. It's not like the games they win aren't close games. They are taking care of business and absolutely shutting down the Kings offense. So, I mean, maybe they could win one here, but uh, they could win one here, but they, I don't know if they'll make it past the, past the second, because the farther you get, the more defense you need. And so, yeah, the first round, maybe your offense could explode and you don't really have to worry about your defense, but I think the farther they get, the more defensive trouble they're going to have. And that's going to be an issue for them. And that second round matchup, if the Oilers were to make it, it would be the battle of Alberta between Calgary and Edmonton. That'd be a good series, but I would give the edge to Calgary because they have goaltending, they have good defense, and they have more depth in terms of their forwards. Yes, they're top end. They cannot deal with McDavid and Drysaddle, but you still have Kachuk. You still have Johnny Goudreau. You still have a lot of like better players all around than the Oilers do. And the Oilers, yeah, I just I compare them to the Angels, where I think they can be a good regular season team, maybe win a round or two, but I can't see them doing anything serious in the playoffs. Uh and then the we'll just lead into that Calgary series. I haven't seen much of that series. Uh it's tied one one. I still think I I still think Calgary can pull off the win there because like you said, they have Kachuk Goudreau, who's having a career year right now. Uh they have the goaltending. So I I wonder if oh, I'll uh I'm gonna pull up that series just so I can see what the game games were looking like. But like game I said, one was one and nothing to Calgary, and I did not see game two. So yeah, I mean I don't. I think Dallas is one of those teams that can give a give a fight, but later they're not going to be able to hold on to it. Game two was two to nothing. Okay, so yeah, those are like those close those close games. Both teams with a shutout when they won. Yeah, two good goaltenders. And uh, I need Calgary to win that series because I'm banking them on going to the Stanley Cup. <laughs> and that was a bold pick. I, I mean, yeah, I'm being bold and I'm making out the the Avalanche look really good, but I still yeah, we'll, think they're going to be the West Coast Caps. So we'll uh, finish hmm. we'll finish off the Western Conference and then finish off the Eastern Conference after that. The Western Conference in the Avalanche and the Predators. They've and, already won that series, if we're being honest. Avalanche didn't look as good yesterday, though. They only won two to one, as opposed to seven to two. Yeah, but I still think they're gonna. I think there's a very good chance they could sweep them or a gentleman sweep. I, I think they'll sweep them. I don't think that they're. I don't think that pre- the Predators are gonna win a game. I mean, yeah, the Predators are a good team. Uh, they surprised a lot of people, me included, but they. I don't think they could deal. Yeah, with. I mean, av- the Avalanche is just. I would compare them more to the Western Conference Lightning because of the fact that their team all around is just stacked. Like there is not a single, there's not a single dull part of the team where you're like, oh, wait, what that could be an issue. No, every single part of their team, you're like, they're gonna be an issue. Like it's it's all so the about lightning the before they won a cup where uh, they have a good team, but they always seem to lack playoff performance like when it comes down to the stretch because we saw the lightning they lost to the caps in 2018 i forgot who they in 2017 i forgot who they lost to but 29 huh the columbus right columbus was 2019 okay they got swept the first round but yeah they're like that or they're like the um early 2010 caps where they won a lot of games president's trophies but always got beaten the first or second round which the Panthers ended up stealing the president's trophy from them this year. So, but yeah, I mean, I don't see where Colorado is going to just blow this lead completely. I mean, that's, they're not Toronto. So, yeah, but uh, finishing out, let's finish out the Eastern conference. I want to talk about the Rangers penguin series last. Cause that one, I think we can go into depth. On. Yeah, that's a series that, we all expected it to be a good series, but I don't think we expected to be expected it to be that good. The Bruins Hurricane series is I'm not gonna. There's a lot of games this series that are pretty high scoring. 
especially in the uh, the Bruins Hurricane series. Hurricanes won game one, five to one, game two, five to two, and then the Bruins won the third game, four to two. Like, it's not looking the best for the Bruins right now. No, it's not. And I mean, it's, I feel, I feel like I'm looking like a fool for saying Hurricanes defense is just, but I mean, there's still time. It's only, it's only a 2 1 series lead. Boston could, they're one game away from making this a tied series again and going back to Boston. They do have a lot more experience than the Hurricanes, but I still think the youth and the talent of the Hurricanes can overcome that aging Bruins team. And the Bruins goalies are questionable still. Just a little bit. They have Jeremy Swayman, who if he's not a rookie, then he's in his second year. He's still really young. And who's their their other goalie was? I don't know their other goalie. I want to say it was is Semyon Varlamov. But I feel like he's on the Islanders. Yeah, of course, crack. It's a oh, it's Linus Olmark. Yeah, Linus. He was playing. Who he is a solid goalie. He was playing for Buffalo, and he was the reason that Buffalo was at least able to win some games last season. Uh, So he's a good goalie. It's just, I mean, he hasn't had playoff experience. You go from Buffalo to Boston. It's quite a big shift because Buffalo has never hasn't made a playoff in who knows how long and Boston is a perennial playoff team so made a cup less than three or four years ago this is this is a big shift for him so I mean it's and playoff hockey is different so I I think he needs a little bit of time to settle in which I think he might be starting to get now uh being that he's played a little bit uh Jeremy Swayman did start last night but oh that's Jeremy Swimmon started last night, so maybe they started. Yeah, I think they switched from Lena Solmark because he was having trouble. But they, the Bruins have two solid goalies. Not really good goalies, solid goalies. But if we're going to talk about a really good goalie, transfer over to the Rangers-Penguins series. 72 saves and a loss. So what, what happened in the – third period i i didn't I see that game one uh but my brother texted me when the game was over i was watching that, yeah i was watching that caps game but there was a goal with i think it might have been capo caco where like a penguins player pushed him into a goalie and their goalie and oh, got yeah, him out yeah. of the net and then the rangers and scored and a lot of people think it should have been allowed because the penguins player kind of caused contact with the goalie and so then it was disallowed and then they ultimately lost in the triple OT. I understand like being mad about that and saying, oh, we should have won. But you went into three overtimes where your goalie had 70 over 70 saves. You should have. Yes, you should have. Maybe that should have been a goal, but there's a lot of other opportunities where you should have scored. And you cannot solely blame that loss on the on the refs. You, yeah, you had three overtimes to perform and you didn't. The I did see something. So the Penguins are also getting now. I don't want to be that guy, but the Penguins are were getting heavily favored in game one with penalties. Uh not so much in game two. They're about even on penalties now on power plays, but through the first, I guess it'd be the first seven periods of play since that game went into triple overtime it was six power plays to one in favor of the penguins so i mean the penguins were getting heavily favored in the penalty department but the rangers did end up getting four power plays yesterday so they've evened it out a little bit but i've seen some stuff where the the refs have missed a couple calls towards the the rangers and i was talking to a rangers fan yesterday and he was saying, he's like, it's so hard to play the Penguins because they have the golden boy. Yeah, I mean, it's like playing, it's like playing Tom Brady in the NFL. Like you're either not going to get any calls or calls against you. So there's, you got to really be eerie about that. Trust me. I know the pitfalls of playing the Penguins. I Caps yeah, fans exactly. know that better than anyone else. And the Penguins, I need to look up when these players were drafted because they have a lot of 
Sidney Crosby was a number one overall pick. 2005 or six. That's when Crosby was drafted, I think. And then I believe Evgeny Malkin and... Malkin was Ovi's year. He's the Ovi. second pick in Ovi's year. Okay, and then Chris Letang was, I believe, a top 10 draft pick. So I don't know when he was picked, though, but it's, it was probably around that time. Uh, this says, oh, maybe, maybe I was wrong. It says he was a third round pick. I thought I saw something saying that he was a first, first round pick, but I mean, still that they picked really well with, uh, Chris Letang then, but yeah, those two years where they got number one and number two, they, they got lucky there quite a bit with Malkin and Crosby. Uh, and they haven't missed a playoff since Sidney Crosby was drafted. But that's really all there is for the playoffs. Go to the Flyers just for a second. Uh, they, they need to get the offseason right, with the biggest thing being the coach. And they need to focus on not just a name, but they need to focus on someone who's right for the team. I think with Elaine Vigna, they were focusing just on the name because – He's not, he wasn't a good developmental guy for the young guys, which looks like it's really hurting the team in the future now. But they're really focusing on the coach right now before they do anything else. With the draft lottery coming up in three days, it's on May 10th, which I'm really excited for because the Flyers right now have the fourth best odds to get the number one overall pick. So, but the Flyers, Chuck Fletcher working to get a get that pick. I kind of want them. I'm thinking I want them to sign Torts, John Tortorella. I mean, he kind of fits the Philadelphia identity. Yeah, because he's he's a tough guy. You know, the only thing that I would be worried about if they hire him is his whole my way or the highway mentality. That is the only thing I'm kind of worried about if they were to sign him. But I think it could work out. Like you said, it does fit that Flyers Broad Street bully mentality where it's like if there was ever a Philadelphia coach, like a prototypical Philadelphia coach, it would be John Tortorella. I could see that honestly. But uh I mean he's a Hall of Fame coach. He has over six hundred wins and took I believe he took the lightning to a cup, didn't he? Two thousand four, I believe, yeah. Yeah. So he's a winning coach and he knows what he's doing. So uh but hopefully we see the Flyers sign a coach relatively soon. They also have to wait because there's a lot of – there are over 11 – there were 11 coaches this season with either one year left on their contract or had the, the interim head coach tag. So there's – I'm sure there – I know Dallas's coach is – this is his last season. So – they might be – they could be waiting to try to interview him, but they uh, – I'm sure there are a couple coaches in the playoffs right now who are – have one year left on their deal, and they're just waiting so that they can talk to them. But that it looks like the Flyers' biggest need right now is coach, and then they'll focus on the players. But with that, anything else for the NHL? I got and to finish it off, we will end it off in the MLB, which if you guys remember from a long week ago, how I was saying the Phillies were finally picking it up and not being terrible. And then they went back to classic Philadelphia where getting no hit and then they have a, good a and seven run uh, lead. Oh my gosh. It is. Let me tell you, it is painful being a Philadelphia fan. It is painful. I, I mean, I love, I love good, the but... city of Philadelphia. Like I love it, but man, it is brutal to be a Philadelphia sports fan. The, like you said, they got no hit against the Mets, which that was a vital, that was right after, right after they came off a couple of good, they came off a couple of good games and they were winning a bit. They went from like five and nine to 10 and 10 and they looked like they were really playing well. 
And then all of a sudden they just, they went to a big game against big series against the Mets and just absolutely laid an egg. It was you guys got quite literally you guys got combined no hit you did win a game but then you lost and then yesterday or two days ago you had a it was like eight to one or seven to one going into the ninth inning or whatever it was and then you seven to one blew a lead which is that that's hard to do that's in the ninth that was the worst part that's hard to do Tristan the Nats had a that uh similar comeback in 2019 but you still don't think pitching's a problem for the Phillies, Tristan? Oh, definitely. I I just don't. What doesn't make sense is the the starting pitching. I mean, the starting pitchers are should be p- pitching well, but that's like we have good starting pitchers. They're just not starting well. I I don't know how else to put it. I mean, they're Kyle Gibson right now is two and one with a two nine three ERA. Like he should not be up there at the top of our, he was on the lower end of our pitchers. Now he's pitching great. And I'm happy about that. But the fact that he's one of our better pitchers right now, where Aaron Nola, I think has one win this season and they're just struggling as a whole, which is terrible. Uh, I want to pull up pitching. This might actually be better. But yeah, I mean the pitching overall. I the Mets game was totally bullpen. Uh, that's that was nothing. Yeah, you had Norwood. He pitched um, a third of an inning, four hits, four runs, had four earned runs. Um, yeah, so that was bad. And then Corey Knable, he had two thirds of an inning pitched, um, four hits and three runs. That's that's bad. That's really bad. And that ended the game right there yeah Aaron Nola he got off to a good start seven innings pitched three hits one, only one earned run and seven strikeouts only one walk and then your bullpen after Familia left the game laid an egg yeah I don't I don't know what happened uh oh I want to look at Phillies pitching Kyle Gibson has a 293 ERA he is the best Phillies pitcher ERA wise right now Nola at three three eight, and then Wheeler at four ten. Kyle Gibson and Ranger Suarez tied for the team lead in wins at two. Nola has the most strikeouts at forty one. Uh, but yeah, I mean overall the the starting pitching just isn't doing well, and uh, you need these players to be pitching better especially when you have two one Cy Young candidate last year one potential Cy Young candidate and then another who isn't Cy Young but he's right in the tier under that now if with Gibson and Suarez I would understand because those aren't top tier pitchers but the fact that you have Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler both laying eggs consistently that's an issue and the Nats, like, we're doing worse, but at least we expected this. We're, we didn't expect to be a good team. We didn't have any, like, visions of being a good team. But the Phillies, it's it's almost worse because you expect it to be a lot better. And then in a vital series where it's a series where you're trying to see where you are, you do terrible. They it, also went – oh, go ahead. It's just, it's really bad for the Phillies. I mean, that's that's a tough – that's – that has to be a demoralized. Yeah, what, what what makes it the worst is the fact that they had one of the best lineups, batting lineups in this uh, at the start of the season, with Castellano, Schwarber, Harper, Hoskins, like, and then a couple like good but underrated guys and Gene Segura and Didi Gregorius. And then you have it, Alec no, Bohm hitting four hundred yeah. for the first few games. Alec Bohm was playing out of his mind. He had a perfect on base percentage for like the first week of the season. Uh and what also hurts is the fact that they went in the Colorado series, they didn't score less than seven runs in a single game in a four game sweep. In after that They've scored 
they've played five games and they've scored seven once. Now, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt and say that the the pitching was a little bit better against the Mets, but they also played the Rangers, the Texas Rangers. So, I mean, it's, you're not with good, with good teams. You're also playing a little bit worse teams. I mean, they got swept in a two game series against the Rangers, which they shouldn't have They're They lost in a two, one series against the Mets and they're down. Oh, one in the four game series against the Mets right now. The game last night got postponed due to rain. So we're going to have to see how that one turns out, but yeah, overall, the Phillies are just, oh my gosh, it is terrible. I'm hoping they figure out, figure it out quickly because after that, they got some tough teams coming up in. So they have Seattle who. They're playing amazing. They're 12 and 15 right now, but like that they could be coming. They could have just be on a win streak right now. So I'm, I'm not entirely sure about Seattle, but after that, after that, for the rest of the month, it is brutal. So they have to finish the series against the Mets. They have a three game in Seattle, then a th- four game in LA against the Dodgers, a three game at home against San Diego, a three game at home against the Dodgers, a four game in Atlanta, another three game in New York against the Mets, and then a three game in uh, in Philly against San Fran to finish out the month. So they have they have some tough t- competition coming up. And if they don't figure it out quick, they're going to find themselves falling behind and not really having time to catch up if they don't figure something out quick. Yeah. Um, the Nats, we suck. I mean, there's only really one bright spot, and that's Josh Bell. Up to this point, he's hitting 344, three homers, 19-R. RBI 17 runs with a 445 on base, slugging 516, OPS 962. Having a great year. Juan Soto still trying to find his footing. Um, Nelson Cruz playing like crap. Yadiel Hernandez is actually playing pretty good. He's hitting like 350, I think. Uh, but other than that, um, uh, Josiah Gray, he's young. He's three and two. So with a 312 ERA. So he's not pitching. He's Pitching pretty well. He has 31 strikeouts in 27 innings. So, yeah. But other than that, we're pretty bad. I mean, we we won a series against the Rockies, which is good. But I think the Rockies stink. We're probably going to drop a series to the Angels. We lost last night. But yeah, it's it's going to be a fun season, Tristan. It's not looking good in the baseball department either. So. <laughs> Yeah, Juan Soto, he's he still needs to find his footing. Um, he's only hitting 263. It's not bad, I guess, but that's not half a billion dollar play because that's what he's wanting. So we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, not looking good in the baseball department, like I said. But with that, that's all I got. Anything else from you? That's all I got. All right. So with that. We are going to end it off there. We, you guys can follow us on Instagram at BL in the DC. You can DM us questions and comments. You can email us at BL in the DC at gmail.com. You can email us questions and comments. Uh, You can rate us on Apple and Spotify and leave us a review on Apple. And with that, we will see you guys next week. See